Hey, New Church Live, it's Angela. I just want to wish you all a happy Sunday and welcome to church. We're so happy that you're here. I am away this Sunday, but I wanted to record a message and just let you know some of the things that are going on at New Church Live. For those who might not know me, my name is Angela Cooper and I work here and my role is basically getting people plugged in uh, to the New Church Live community. And as I've said, things are busy as ever here. We're finding ways to connect even in this virtual time and we're just so thrilled at how many of you are reaching out and connecting to one another. So we're busy preparing for Easter and the main thing I wanna mention to you all, I created a video um, a separate video that we posted on social media, but we're mailing out Easter kits. And I just want to encourage anyone who wants to participate, it's free. Um, and I've been having fun mailing them out. They include the supplies to make Holy Supper or communion bread, some coloring pages for kids, some candy, a candle, um, and basically just a way for us to do church together. Um, we're offering some family pop-up services and communion services. And so we thought this would be a fun way for you to get in the kitchen with your kids. I promise it's super easy and forgiving um, and really just a fun way to get involved from home. Um, so if you want one of those free kits, um, I can mail it to you. Uh, like I said, free of charge. All you have to do is email me. I'll put my email address down below here um, and you can shoot me an email with your mailing address and I will get that in the mail to you. Our Easter series starts next weekend, um, so I hope people will take me up on this offer. Like I said, they're free, so there's no risk, um, and just a fun way to spread, spread, spread excuse me, some Easter cheer. And I mentioned we are having some family pop-up services on the 25th of March and um, April 1st at 7 p.m. Pastor Chuck is going to be leading those on Zoom. And we we did those again with the Easter series, and they were a really great success um, for families to just tune in together. I have little kids. I know watching from home has been a lot easier um, in some ways because my kids can kind of do their thing, tune in. Um, we all get something out of it, and um, we just hope you'll give it a try. Um, like I said, it's going to be a family service, super simple, um, a little bit shorter. And and family oriented. So those are on March 25th and April 1st um, to get us in the Easter spirit. Um, the next thing I want to mention is I am going to be hosting a monthly moms group. For those who don't know, I have three boys um, and have been navigating this COVID virtual season. Um, and I just wanted to offer a moms group for anyone who's interested. Um, everyone's welcome. It's going to be on the third uh, Wednesday of the month, although the first one's starting on March 24th, which is technically the fourth uh, Thursday. But anyway, um, so if you're interested in joining, um, any moms are welcome. We're just going to be maybe even our first group picking how we want to host the group, if we want to do a book or if we want to take turns leading. Um, I just want to create this space for any moms who are feeling they like they want connection. And, you know, there's this like underlying mom code. You get it. This year has been really hard. Uh, being a mom in general is really hard. I understand. And I just want to create the space for moms to get together and connect. There's no agenda um, and we will keep it to an hour. It's going to be from 7 to 8 p.m. And the first group is going to be on March 24th. So you'll be hearing that from me for the next handful of weeks. If you want to be included, you can email me. Um, I'm happy to reach out to anyone. They don't have to attend New Church Live. It can be really any mom that you know 
know of. If you want to join with a friend and try it out, um, I'd welcome anyone. And it won't be scary. It'll just be me, a mom of three, leading it and creating this space. So I hope you'll join. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and if you want any more details, you can email me. The next thing is Pastor Chuck was actually planned to be away this Sunday. He was away last Sunday because he needed to go do a funeral, unfortunately. But this Sunday was his um, regular Sunday off, and we're lucky to have Curtis here again leading the leading the service this week. Um, so we are thrilled to welcome him to church, and uh, Pastor Chuck will be next back next Sunday. Um, so we hope you all welcome him. He'll be out just after this next song. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is that we are reliant on donations to support all of the things going on here at New Church Live. So you, I hope you'll join me in contributing and supporting New Church Live. All you have to do is text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. And you can make a donation that way. You can set up a reoccurring donation and know that your donation is just supporting this uh, church and how we do everything here based on you know involvement and your support. So we hope you will contribute and support New Church Live, and I hope everyone has a wonderful Sunday. Um, I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. So let's talk about enduring things. The, the talk today is called The End of the Pandemic Winter. How the darkest times in our lives bring us closer to God. And as I was watching the announcement video, it hit me that you are all enduring something right now. Because last week, you showed up to see Chuck. And what'd you get? <laughs> you got an hour. I had to do an hour of Curtis talking instead. But I'm sure at your homes, you were saying, I can endure this. I can do one. And you know what? I'll grip my teeth and I'll use up my energy reserves and then it'll be done. And next week Chuck will be back and, but look where we are. We're at the beginning of another whole hour. <laughs> so why? Why do we have to go through things like this? Where it seems like life is, well, it feels, it's so, and so it is, that life is difficult. Why is there winter in the first place? Why, when you are thinking up the seasons, what, whose idea was it to have one that's dark and cold at the same time? The other stuff is great, but why do we go through this? We've got to, the image of the flower coming out of the snow. It's almost a cliche, but that's us. That's us right now. It's literally us because there really are, you could have taken that photo a week ago here. Still, there are all these patches of frozen snow. And at the same time, these little hopeful flower buds coming up saying, it's time. I'm, I don't care what you say. Spring is starting. That's us right now literally, but obviously it's a metaphor because this is one of the hardest times globally that there's been in quite a while. 
We have the pan pandemic in winter where you get the combined effect of this, all the levels of disruption that came out of that plus all the normal disruption that winter does and you stick them on top of each other. But we're starting to come out the other side. I see little flowers poking up. You know, a lot of people that I know are getting their vaccines. And so it's like, oh, well, this is pretty soon. Are we not going to have to be as worried as we are? You have these signs that, well, you know, days are getting longer. And we know we've probably been through the worst of it, which is exciting and great. But makes you wonder, why is there a worst of it in the first place? Every spring is really great because you're coming out of winter, but why, why did we do that? Why is there that again? Got me thinking about enduring things and why life is like it is. Because while I'm talking about a big global thing, there's all kinds of things. Maybe in the meantime, you've had something in your own life that has been more intense than the pandemic winter. So why, what is the plan here? And I thought, look at me here. I'm at church. I'm trying to do what God thinks is good to do. That's what we're doing, right? I thought that the point of that was so that life would get better. If you've got this divine heart and mind who designed everything and loves everybody and is in these relatively obscure but cool if you tap into them ways has been vocal about what we should do. We kind of have a moral compass that can point us in that direction. We're embarking on this. We're going to go do it. Shouldn't life get better? Isn't, isn't that what we sign up for is we go and start following this path because divine order is going to then organize everything in our lives and it's going to be good. Well, it's actually... Funny that I should mention that because there's actually something different. The process is, is a little bit different than what I just described. And I came across in New Church Theology this description of why we go through hard things and what, what particularly we're signed up for, <laughs> in case you didn't realize you had signed anything. So this is a quote from Secrets of Heaven, 6138, and it's long and it's dense. There are some really high impact ideas in quick succession here, but before you get mad at me for loading you up with so much mental stuff on Sunday morning, did you think the answer would be simple? I mean, the fact that we can put it on a single PowerPoint slide is, is pretty good. It could be a lot worse than that. So let's try to keep these all straight in our brains as we go. If we are being reborn, that's what I was saying before, the process in which we say, I don't want to just be on autopilot. I want to try to be a good person. That can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but you're, the fact that you're tuning into this means you have some kind of interest in reaching to be what a good person, and however that, however that's defined for you, that's the, the general thrust behind the spiritual 
church thing, right? Okay, that new church theology would call that being reborn. If we are being reborn, so if, we, if it's going to work, if we're being reborn, coming a new person, this is, this is common Christian terminology. Okay, that's where we are. If we're there, if we are being reborn, repeated desolation and sustainment eventually reduce... What? What? De- desolation? We are be- if we are being reborn, this is not we're wondering, oh, am I on the right path or not? This is we're on the right path. We're going to be reborn and have things turn out well. If we're being, where's desolation? Okay, desolation is, is one word. It's a translation. So desolation, hardships, repeated getting to the end of your rope, repeated states of, I don't know if I can do this. That, that's what we're talking about. That, if you're being reborn, repeated desolation and sustainment eventually reduce us all the way to the point where we no longer want to be our own, but the Lord's. Okay. What does it mean to be reborn? I say I want to have life be better. Of course, of course we want to have life be better. But what, what is life being better? If you say, yeah, I've got my kitchen here, and I really want my kitchen to be better than it is, which should be great. People should, I mean, it should just like one thing gets better, then another thing gets better, and another thing gets better, and then the kitchen is really great. The, that, there is desolation if you want to get a better kitchen. <laughs> First of all, you have to try to figure out what you put in there. And if you're really serious, if you really want to, let's, let's expand our example to the point where you want to have the best kitchen in, that, you can, that can be imagined. Is this not a very compelling metaphor, homeowners? Hello? If you have this kitchen, you want this dream kitchen, often, if, you re- if it was really going to be great, unless you happen to have some skill at this, somebody else even needs to think through what it's going to be like. You would need a designer. You would need to eventually say, okay, well, what, what, what's going to be good here? But then there's going to be desolation. There's going to have to be the smashing and destroying of all your cabinets. There's going to have to be the ripping up of your counter. There's going to have to be the pulling up of the floor. There's going to be a period of time where you don't have a functional kitchen. Your kitchen has been fully desolated. And that's the only way to then put in the better kitchen. Because we no longer want our kitchen to be... I guess the point I'm trying to make with that is you say you want something better, the nature of how it needs to be better dictates process. So I say I want my life to be better. Well, guess what? My life is as good as it's going to get with me running my life. I already got to... I already ran that experiment for 36 years. How's yours going? Uh, So it's not going to get better under, you never see you never see a sign on a store that's been having a problem that says under old management. 
under the same management. Don't worry about it. If there's a need to change something, you've got to change management. So, if I want my life to be better, God will listen to me when I say I want life to be better and will say, okay, great. The limiting factor, no offense, is, is you because you're, you're awesome, but I, I can take us to where we need to go. I can take us to true happiness. So, repeated desolation and sustainment eventually reduce us all the way to the point where we no longer want to be our own but the Lord's because nobody can come in and smash your kitchen unless you say, yes, come on in. Otherwise, the police will come. And we, can, we certainly have the power to keep the Lord out, to keep God out of life, to keep love out of the driver's seat and selflessness out of the driver's seat. That is no problem. You probably know quite a lot of people that you feel like are doing that. You, we may be engaging in it a bit ourselves even, you have to get to this state where you say, if you want a life to be better, there's got to be this state where you say, okay, God, how do we do it? I would love to listen. Hey, we made our way like a sixth through the quote. This isn't so bad. <laughs> when we have become, it's great having nobody in this theater because I just imagining uproarious laughter at all these, man, talk about a captive audience. What would you be like? When we have become the Lord's, okay, so repeated desolation and sustainment gets us to that state where God can come in and do things that are good. When we have become the Lord's, we enter a state in which, oh, when we become the Lord's, then we're happy. Am I right? You did it. You became the Lord's. God is, you are now God's and God's property, I mean or whatever, however you want to phrase it that sounds most appealing, everything should be good, right? Man, how long does it take this guy to read a sentence? When we have become the Lord's, we enter a state in which we grieve and worry if left to our own devices. And once released from that state, return to our joy and bliss. He does. Once you become the Lord, you become Superman, and everything you want, you get all the time. No, you get to the, the prize for this repeated desolation and sustainment is getting to a point where if you're in your, what's he say? If left to our own devices. And it's really crucial that we understand what we're talking about here. When I talk about, oh, we're going to become the Lord's versus become ours, the state we're trying to get to is not that you don't control your body anymore. It's not that you hear a dictate telling you what to do all the time. We're using own in the sense of swap that out for your ego. Your, you know what yours is like. You're crunched in, self-centered, um, sensitive, like not sensitive, but um, oh, there's some good vocabulary word. Sensitive is fine, but sensitive in the negative sense uh, touchy, controlly, the, the negative side of yourself. It's that leads you or it's this, you've all felt the Lord in you. This is not something that's a foreign experience. There's a time when you get this joy in what's good. You get this, you already know what the good, better 
your better half is, right? I don't have to explain that to you. So what we're talking about is you get to the point finally where you can realize, oh, nope, this negative point part of my conscious experience is driving right now. I don't want that. I know that there's a difference when this good stuff is coming in and, and I'm, however you want to describe the particulars of your version of that state, but I'm guessing you have experienced it and you know, oh, when I'm, when I'm really self-centered, I don't want this, any, I don't want this. When, when the things that I'm chasing are inherently exclusive to other people, when, when, I, when I don't, when I, I am the end instead of the means to the end, when we're in that state, we say, no, I don't want this state anymore. That's the point that it's trying to get it to. I don't, I don't really want that anymore. This is, the, you think that's a good state? This is the state of all angels. You want to be an angel? That's how it is to be an angel. The Lord wants our total surrender so he can make us blessed and happy. Oh, oh, that's why. And remember, it's, it's opt-in. This is only if we're being reborn. You don't have to. You go out there, charge forward with the, the self uh, or the um, whatever you want to call it, the ego. I'm... It's not, that, it's not as great as it seems. That is, he does not want us to be partly our own and partly his, because then there are two masters and we cannot serve two masters at once. There's that famous saying in Matthew about that. So that's a lot of really dense nutrients in one bite of food. How do we unpack that? How is that gonna ring true for us? Because if it doesn't ring true, then we're not gonna believe it and it's not gonna be of any service, right? So I think the vibe it's trying to get, what does it mean we don't want to be our own, we want to be the Lord's, uh, the desolation and sustain, where's that cycle? I feel like a really good example of that is in this quote by Thomas Jefferson. It was in some letter from some other famous American early figure, I don't remember who it was, but it says, I have seen enough of one war never to wish to see another. And if I've ever felt this principle about the desolation and sustainment, the cycle of all things are really bad. Wow, God brought me out of that. I was at a point where I couldn't get out then I was, I, and even maybe when I'm in this state here, I was asking for help because if it gets really bad, I'll ask for help. Help from God, help from other people, but particularly to that space inside myself where I'm just like, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I can't do this. The space where I don't look like a superhero and cool and everything that the ego would want me to be. When I'm in that state and I say, I need your help, God, desolation, and then sustainment that you when you get out of it, you understand, oh, I have a big friend. I have a big giant friend named God that is getting me out of this. And on the, emotion, on the emotional cognitive level, when you see yourself trapped in this mire of selfishness and antisocial stuff, and then something beautiful touches you, some real love, or perhaps there's like a 
person or group of people that you kind of feel antagonistic toward, but then you admire something that one of them does and you have this moment where you're like, oh, wait, why do I have all these resentments? That's, that's also God. Like God is that, the perspective of I don't dislike people just because they don't fit with what I want. That's, we don't manufacture that. That comes out of God. That is God in, the, in our heart. That's a God peeking through the clouds in our hearts and minds. So when I get a sense of that after this desolation and sustainment, you get to the point, and also in the desolation, everything negative that you go through, all the pain that you suffer, gets you to understand as you, as that what everyone else is going through. And you have less of this sense of ambition and one, and, and that it would be the greatest thing to be better than all these other people and get revenge on all these other people. You start to get this sense of, I, I've seen enough of one war never to wish to see another. Because there's a draw in this war as a metaphor, because what, or what, is, what are they trying to accomplish through that? Well, obviously there's, there's goals and aims and passions that you want. Oh, I want to go to war with this person or that person because then I can win or I can get something. But when you get to the point where it's like, wait a second, war is terrible. I'm not talking about that armed conflict is never the option for geopolitics. I'm not making a commentary on that. I'm talking about when you, but you would, what this is expressing is, I'm not going into it just because I like to go into it. It's the same thing with the state that we're trying to get to here, which is all this stuff that that the selfish part of me wants, all this honor and gain and revenge, what, possess, possessing other people's stuff, whatever that is, you, when you feel that driving you, when it went driving like it's in the driver's seat, and you feel like, wow, I know, I don't, I've seen enough of that world. I don't want that. I don't even want that. Even if things were going well in that state of mind, which sometimes they do, but not forever, I don't even want that because I understand the nature of that now, and I don't want to be there. That's this repeated sustainment and desolation. So I want to talk about metal. If you're you're still feeling like this is an alien concept, let's talk for a second about metal. Metal is a big part of everybody's life. There's metal in here. I don't even know. Like Stuff is so high-tech these days. I have no idea what this is made out of. Metal is in this microphone, metal is in the camera, metal is in the device that you're watching on, metal is in your car, metal is in your medical devices, metal is everywhere, metal is good. I just made that up, it's a great poem. It's iambic pentameter, is it? I don't know. Metal is great, but you know what metal's plan was originally? I'm gonna sit in the middle of a rock deep underground. That was all metal was doing. And I don't want to get any calls from metal society. Listen, metal is a lot stronger than I am. It's got its own dignity as an element. I'm not trying to say everything's human-centric, but for the sake, uh, but there is something to the ratio between us and metal being like the ratio between God and us. Look at this, metal. The metal was thinking, I'm going to sit in a rock and this is going to be my life. 
we are essentially there when we're chasing our ego-driven pursuits. We think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the equivalent of sitting in this rock. It takes, but you think about the, some, a person seeing that metal and thinking, no, no, no. You know what you can do? You can, be, you can allow for people to read stuff off of you. You can communicate signals across the, the world. That you, there's so much that you can do. The only way the metal can do that is if it gets to the state like in this picture. Yeah, there it is. Where it's willing to bend. And how does it get in that state? Repeated desolation and sustainment. That is how it becomes flexible. Another example, these are called the 12 apostles. These are these amazing rock formations outside on the Australian coast. You know how they got there? Repeated desolation and sustainment. The waves come in, desolation, sustainment, they get this break. It was only through that wave action that you were able to get something like this. This pattern of up and down is everywhere in the world. I want to focus in on it, how it appears in electromagnetic waves, because this is really clear. Uh, where you wait, light waves, I don't even know what the red part on this graph represents, honestly, but I do know that light, that waves go up and down. Up and down, up and down. That this is desolation sustainment. There's a pattern everywhere and everything because you have these up periods where you've got a, like a green arrow going up. Yeah, could we go to the next slide? Um, yeah, there it is. Isn't it worth it? I put those arrows in. No, that wasn't from Wikimedia Commons. You're going up and you're going down. You're going up and you're going down. And that's how the wave is. It's built into everything, but is it built into our religious experience? Have you ever looked at the book of Psalms in the Bible? You will find this desolation and sustainment just jump off the page at you. Let's, start, let's do a little run of consecutive psalms here so you can see what I'm talking about. We have Psalm 6, which says, Oh, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. The whole thing is, is like I'm, I'm being desolated right now. Stuff is tough. Psalm 7, even though it starts out saying, I put my trust in you, then it says, Save me from all those who persecute me. If you go look at the psalm, we are going down right now. There is desolation. But Psalm 8 if you go to the next one, we're up. How, oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We went from, come on, help me out, to you are so great. No, no intervening psalms. And then we stay up for Psalm 9. I will pray, I'll praise you, oh Lord. I'm going to talk about how great you are. When a couple of psalms ago, we were really down in the dumps. But now we're up and we'll stay up, right? Nope. Psalm 10, the very next psalm. Hey, why are you so far away? I was just saying how great you are, and now you're far away. Oh, psalm 11, we're back. In the Lord I put my, my trust. We're back up again. And this, it doesn't go perfectly up and down every single psalm, but you just, I, it didn't make sense. To, like, what is the, what's up with the content of these psalms? It's so dramatic, but it, it is this process. It is a desolation and sustainment. And I want to focus in on 
one particular psalm that's just a few down the pike from that, which is Psalm 22, right before that super famous Psalm 23, because this, you get both the desolation and sustainment right back to back and a very distinct switch point here. So we'll do the doubt, we'll do the desolation at first, and then we'll hit that switch point, have a song, and then come back for the sustainment. But so settle in for a second, just for a second, and, and just hear this process going on in the Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Starts out with the line that Jesus Christ said on the cross. So even God is going through this desolation and sustainment process. Why are you so far from helping me? Do you hear, do you ever hear, do you hear yourself in this? It's, it's like, it's complaining. Why are you so far away? And I, David knows that God is omnipresent. But this is a way of saying like, hey, why aren't you doing your job? And from the, the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. But you are holy, who inhabits the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you or not ashamed. So there's like the desolation sustainment that happened historically. And maybe we're on an up note here. Let's see. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All those who see me laugh me to scorn. You ever get feel like you're being laughed to scorn in whatever way? It doesn't mean there's actually people in the cafeteria laughing at you, but you can feel like Man, I'm the laughing stock. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But you're the one who took me out of the womb. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. We are in this state of desolation. we're, We're kind of recognizing that this process happens. He's like, I know you can help me, but you're not right now. And when do you get into the point where you go write something like this? It's, you probably first tried all the, your usual stuff to fix the problems in your life, right? This is the point of desolation when you say, I, I need your help and I don't know what to do. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths as raging, as a raging and roaring lion. You ever feel like your fears are gaping at you? I am, and then this is, the, this is what it's like inside. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. It's brutal. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. This is, we are in a bad way right now. Life can get to be really unpleasant. They look and stare at me. 
not only got major physical distress, but you've got people mocking you at the same time. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. Do you want to see us go in real time from desolation to sustainment? Here it is, right there. It's in the, in the I don't know, the New King James Version. It's its own little paragraph. You can see I've circled it in yellow there. We're going down, we're going down, we're going down. One line. You have answered me. And as we'll see when we get back, it's all on the up and up from here on out. And I want us to be looking, though, at what's the nature of the up and up. What has come out? It's not just we're happy. There's a particular kind of happiness that he experiences, and we want to be looking for that. But let's take a break. Let's listen to the song. Sorry to leave you in a state of desolation, but know that it's, we're, just about to, we're just at the end of the, the winter here. Good morning, New Church Live. I'm Marcus Cohen, and I'm the production director here. I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you. If you saw that video, that moving video was sent in from our own Ray Atkins, and I thank him so much for doing that for us. He volunteered his time and provided us with that amazing song and video for, for us today. And that leads me into how you guys can volunteer. There's so many ways, uh, so many special things that we're doing here at New Church Live now that we'd love to get your input. We'd love to get your help however you can. And one way is to send in music the way Ray did. That would be great. Send in songs, videos, requests for songs. You can send them to me. My email address will come up, marcus.cohen at newchurchlive.tv. And I'd love to hear from you. We also are looking for graphic designers, people into video. There's a lot of things going on right now, and uh, volunteering could be pretty exciting. So just reach out if you can. Thank you so much, as always. That's cool. That video. Yeah, you think about the desolation of being a healthcare worker over the past year. It's always tough, but just thinking, what are you know, what kind of strengthening are they are they getting through this all? We were in the midst of our own desolation here, and we had just had this, the, that point on the wave curve where it's going up again. You have answered me. Now, where do we get? So we had this time when we were at the end of our rope and we understood that our only salvation was what is in, what is good and true. What is God's rather than what is our egos. So what kind of happy do we get when, when we get answered? Because you can be, if we're still playing the, uh, it's, my ego against the world game and things aren't going well, but then things do go well. You people you don't like, something bad happens to them and you get something you want. Ah, I'm back on top. This is a different kind of happiness when you're on the path to being reborn. You have answered me. So then what do we do? We, do we say like, now I'm so great and I'm going to get the, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. 
You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. And especially, it's great to talk about God to people, but understanding what God is, which who God is, who God is, which is the love for everyone, all the really great love for the human race and its welfare that you've ever felt, to understand that that's who God is. So you can't just have the name on your lips, but not the character behind it, to say that that, that is good and that I want to follow that and I want to uh, exalt that, the good behavior, the, the things that, that express love and give aid to people. That's what we were just doing in that video, was we were admiring, we weren't saying, well, where was I on slide three? We were admiring the hard work and sacrifice people, strangers have done to help strangers because we know it's good. When we start to sing the praises of that, that is the praises of God. For he is not despised nor abhorred the afflicted, affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. When he cried to him, he heard, my praise shall be of you in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. This is stretching out to everyone. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord and it's important to note that everything in the Bible applies to everyone, but also to you at the same time. So when it's saying all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, it's talking about everything in you, all the parts of you, because when you've really been in desolation and then led out to sustainment by the Lord, this, this stubborn parts of us that wouldn't want to start on that path, suddenly everybody's in, everyone inside you is in. To say, okay, wait, I, we really will listen to this, to this voice that's leading us to what's better and higher and good and true in life. All the families of the nations shall worship before you for the kingdom is the Lord's. There's, the kingdom is, if that becomes the Lord's, if that becomes driven by goodness and truth, you are gonna be a lot more fun to be around and you're gonna be happier. And that's what it's all about. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive, keep yourself alive. Go for it. We don't know how. We're we, it's, it's happening right now. We're all alive. But we, you don't have that on-off switch. All po a posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Did it make an impact? Did we have an impact? Repeated desolation and sustainment is what is necessary to get it to the state that was in there where everybody's in, everybody's in. And we're gonna end today with this idea that the, the reason we need to go, the reason we can't, as we, we saw in that earlier quote, can't have, okay, we're gonna follow what's good and true, follow the, the path of regeneration and rebirth. It was some, some but not all. This is why Jesus says you can't have two masters because that, just think of an organization with two different strategic plans. Think of a job where you have two different bosses who want two different things. Think about a song where half of the band says, I'm gonna go this way and half the band says, I'm gonna go that way. You could, maybe you can hack it for a little while, but it's not gonna work long-term and it's not really gonna get nothing magnificent 
is going to come out of it. So there's this quote in Matthew that's a little jarring and confusing. It's in Matthew 10. Whoever loves father and mother above me, okay, can we get that up on the screen? Above me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son and daughter above me is not worthy of me. That's kind of rude thing to say, isn't it? This is God saying this. This is Jesus Christ saying this. Come on, listen, Jesus, you're really great. You did some amazing things. I, you know, I'm, I'm already walking around following you in this multitude. Lay off my mom and dad. I love them. I can't help it. I knew them for longer than I knew you. What is he saying? Obviously, whoever, their, their son and daughter, I, their little baby that I'm you want me, why would you even want me to love you more than them? That doesn't make sense. What's it actually talking about? So I'm going to propose that here, this is not talking literally about your actual mom and dad and your actual sons and daughters, that that is your immediate family is not being addressed here. But this is, again, it's about something that's inside of you. And what is it above me, above God? What, the name God, our idea of God? God is everything that is good. As I've been trying to articulate a couple times here, I'm not just saying, oh, when you go through desolation and sustainment, it makes you love a religious kind of idea that <clears throat> you put the word God on. God, you, you, you gotta think about God, sure, but you already know who God is through these interactions of love and through this, when you have felt something good touch you or you touched someone else with goodness, the, the desire to do that, the ability to do that, that God is everything good. So it's not going to be, well, you love your mom and dad, and then you love God. Which one is, if you, if you love your mom and dad, that's good. That is God, that is, God is in that, okay? Same thing with loving kids. Like we, it's directly connected. It, it is something good. So it doesn't make any sense. Lo, love what's good over what's good. That's why it's so ridiculous when people say, which, which kid do you love more? When, if you, so what is God actually saying to us here? Why are you confusing us like this? Well, what tone is that? Anyone who loves father and mother above me is not worthy. What, when do you use that tone? That is like stern and warning. When do you use that tone with kid, with a kid? If you use that tone when they're, they're being good and everything's going well, that's weird. That is the tone that you use when you're trying to address a state that needs correction in them. You can really love your kids. Uh, my daughter is really great. There's times when you're saying, oop, I can tell that the state you're in right now, unless I try to intervene in my own imperfect parental way and try to say, wait, you can't quite do that because if I keep letting you do that, it's going to either harm you or it's going to become a habit and that's gonna really complicate your relationship with your peers and society, right? You use that tone when you're trying to say, wait, so what part of us is God talking to? What states in us is God talking to? The negative states. So I'll give you a little bit of a diagram here. 
So if God is talking to the middle circle, the negative us, the negative parts in us, when he says, don't love father and mother. So what, if the good parts are from God, what are the parents of the negative state and what are the children of the negative state? Why is God giving us these commandments not to love those? So what makes something the parent? The thing that makes you, right? And then what makes something a kid? It's a thing that comes from you. So when I talk about, or I think I was over on this part of the stage before where I was talking about the ego and how we get into these dysfunctional ways of being, where did that come from? How did we get there? Well, there's two reasons that we're there. One is we had this natural disposition to some negative stuff. We inherited some negativity. The New Church Theology calls it heredity, spiritual heredity, that you have just a tendency. This is why even little kids, when they're three or four or whatever, have all these tendencies to, to be rude to each other and selfish. And nobody, even if they haven't been taught to do that, it just, we just have this, we're struggling to overcome. So that's like the parents, right? The negative stuff you want. But then there's the kids, which is the stuff that you've actually, it's not just a tendency, you've brought it in and you act on it and you're doing it and you're actually, or maybe even, oh, what's that over there? I'm going to bring in this new dysfunction that I didn't even start with. That's the kids, right? So there's these things pulling that, that love our negative states and want to be in them. And that's who, uh, we could go to the next slide here. Another way to simplify it is the inherited negativity and the acquired negativity that we have right? Because think about the way that you are with your parents and you listen to what they say, right? They have an impact on you. And with your kids, if they want to go do something, you go do it. So God is saying here to us, hey, we can't, if you want your life to get better, you can't put those things above me. I have to be able to call the shots. If you're saying, okay, I want life to be better, but I've always loved getting the last word into these people. I'll just give you these trite examples. You know what your real ones are. I know what my real ones are. So I'm just going to do that when it comes up. And I've kind of, I have this, I don't really like this, but I'm just going to do that. And it's going to be chaos, right? So, well, how do you stop doing that stuff? You can't, it's too hard. It's too difficult, but God can do it, and there's a particular way that God can do it. Next slide. This, this, don't worry, we already read this quote. This is the big, long quote that's saying, the only way to do that, where we no longer have a divided house, where we're not stuck in our negative dynamics of our own little negative family that's inside of us, is repeated desolation and sustainment. That it's just too hard. You just can't let go without that prodding. That that is part of what really gets you to see and understand, I don't want to be here. I actually, I want to be here. That now I have seen enough of war that I don't want another one. That's the state we're trying to get to. And when we're in that state, let's go to the next slide. When we're in that state, that's us like we're poking up out of the snow. That is where we've emerged from that darkness and we're in the light. But don't worry, 
if you feel like you've been there and now you're going back down, there are these cycles. There's the day-night cycle. This picture looks like it's right in the morning. Yep, we emerge from that darkness into the light. Yeah, it's getting to be spring now. It will be winter in a year. No, less than a year. I know, shouldn't have brought it up. But if we understand the process and that the process is good and it is carving those beautiful stone pillars in Australia. It is going from sitting in a rock to being, I hope this table is inspiring enough. It looks really sharp here. Something great, it's made of metal. We are through the process of repeated desolation and sustainment, being reborn and to know the target. What's, what progress am I even making? You are slowly getting to the point where you, you don't want to live in the middle of all this junk where you really want what the Lord is offering. You, you, you love your vegetables now. That's the, pro, that's the place that we're going. And it takes some time to get there, but as we emerge from this really difficult time in life, know that you're coming out of it a little more reborn, that you have a little more in you now, I'm sure, of, oh, I just want, I, I want what's good. I want, I want the Lord to be here. I want to bring that light and love to people. Uh, what, what used to seem so engaging and important and engrossing and, and trapping to me, no, I've, I've got a new perspective. There's a new spring, a new dawn in my mind and heart, and that's always the what's going on. That's always what's going on. All right, let's let it sink in. Let's process. Uh, we're going to give you one last song. Thanks so much. If you guys want to talk about it more, there is a chat room called Coffee and Donuts that I always pop into for an hour after the service. So if you want to chat there, let's do it. And I hope that, I hope, I get it, we got to do the process, but I hope you get a lot of sustainment this week and that you can be sustained overall, even as we go in our ups and downs by the knowledge that, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a method. There's a method to this madness and, and it's to bring us all the peace and happiness we could want. All right. Thanks.